The FCS College Football Experience NEC Conference Preview Episode on the Sports Gambling Podcast Networks brought to you by Circa Sports. Yes, Circa Sports is back with their Circa Survivor and Circa Millions contest. Fourteen million dollars are up for grabs. Get all the details at circasports.com. And remember, as always, folks, too, let it ride. Hey, what's up, you degenerate gamblers? This is Bill Burr. And you're listening to SGPN. Let it ride, baby. talk Northeastern conference preview and college football. It does not matter the division. I love college football. Uh, just freshly back from Las Vegas and mountain West media day in the FBS. So check out the main college football experience uh, for more on that. And perhaps you're wondering just who the hell you're listening to. And that's fair. Uh, well, my name is Colby swing dad to base dad, AKA pick Dundee. That's not a pick. This is a pick. He was raised in the land down under where a man thinks on his feet, speaks with his fists and lives by his wits. When Dundee happened, he was a superstar. I'm probably drinking too much and celebrating too much and not sleeping. Uh, Would have killed a normal man, but uh, now that's gone. The medical advice I got from that was, was like being hit by lightning, pretend it never happened and get on with your life. Yes, it's always good to talk football, and I am excited to talk NEC conference. See, one one of the great things about the NEC conference is they have the NEC app, free to download in the App Store and Google Play Store. I imagine Google Play Store. I got it in the App Store, uh, and uh, look, you get all the games on demand. So let's say you're busy, and you can't make your game. You got to go to your daughter's wedding or something. Uh, well, you didn't teach you right. No fall weddings. I'm joking. Uh, but uh, no, you'll have it on demand there for, for whenever you want. All right. So maybe you get, maybe you've been working all day. You get home, wife's asleep. Throw on a little, throw on a little Long Island Shark, Duquesne Duke football game at midnight with a glass of whiskey. You and the dog are watching college football. Nothing wrong with that. I am joined by my co-host. Give it up for this guy. I know he's a, he's a uh, NEC football warrior, all right, because he loves watching the Northeastern Conference Football League. And look, this guy knows college football as good as any. Give it up for Mike Rose, aka Golf Coast Guru. How you doing, brother? What's up, man? Listen, my girl today is dying her hair. Do you know what that means? That means I got to listen to a lot of talk today about my girlfriend dyeing her hair. So I am super <laughs> ready for an injection of testosterone. Talk a little NEC football and get this thing rolling. What's up, man? Welcome back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and look, I mean, I'm surprised you didn't answer back with talk about that. You said, you know, 
the Duke, Duquesne Dukes might be a little bit better this year, honey. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe you just dive into that. Graham is in the chat. He says, "Is this thing live?" Of course, it's live. Uh, subscribe, tell a friend. The FCS College Football Experience, folks. Um, so here we are talking NEC, and I, I had to—I'll be honest—I had an inju- interview set up with Andy Avalos of Boise State. You know, I said, "You know what? I'm sorry." And now I'm joking. There, there was a lot of scheduling maneuvers, but I had to get back into Los Angeles for this NEC conference preview. It's been on the schedule. I'm not gonna miss the NEC. Let's go. Uh, but uh, you know, this is a conference. A couple of years ago, I had the Bryant Bulldogs before they left for the Big South, and uh, you know, eight teams. Eight teams. We're gonna preview them all. We're gonna actually start by going through our our rankings of essentially. Well, that's how we're gonna preview the team. Who we think is eighth, all the way to first, but. Before we uh, do all that, uh, just in general, curious your thoughts of, of the NEC conference. I know last season St. Francis, the Red Flash, they made the FCS playoffs and got just absolutely fucking destroyed by Delaware. Now, that was crazy to me because I actually thought that would be a better game because I saw St. Francis. Uh, they should have beat Akron in the season opener. And I kind of just thought they were a better team than what that game really kind of, you know, gave, you know, they, 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 they played at Richmond. I think it was like week two or three and they almost knocked off the spiders. I mean, it was, I think it was a 10 point game, but it was like, it was a, a close game in the fourth quarter at one point. So I expected Richmond made the FCS playoffs as well. They, and they, they, they went out to Sacramento, California and almost knocked off Sac state in a, in a crazy game. So I expected them to fare better in the playoffs with St. Francis there, but man, they, uh, they went to Dover, Delaware and lost by what? Uh, 39 points. That's not fun. But uh, what do you, what do you make of this conference in general? Dude, very, very interesting conference. Some new teams coming up in there. You mentioned we lost Bryant, but uh, I mean, you, you got LIU came up and then Stonehill uh, Mary Mac, all these teams coming up and, the, and they're poised to make some noise here. Uh, we're going to get into it. St. Francis, you know, maybe, maybe things aren't looking as great as they did a season ago before that waxing by Delaware, but it just goes to show you sometimes with uh, one of these teams that doesn't have a long history goes up against a, a blue blood. That's not necessarily at their peak. Uh, the talent still shows through. So I'm very interested to see what you think of this conference. And, uh, I know I had fun digging in, so let's go. Yeah, I actually had more fun digging in, I think, than the past. Like it might have been like out of all the conferences we previewed, and I, I've had fun doing all of them. This one might have been my favorite thus far. Um, I don't know if it was just because I uh, I had way more time to prep. <laughs> so uh, you know, one of those shows, I think it was the first one. My prep time was like, man, I was cramming. I was fucking cramming. So this one, I got a lot of time to ease into it. Uh, we're going to talk all about it folks. But before we get to that, I want to tell you that the FCS college football experience is brought to you by Circa sports. Yes. Circa millions and Circa survivor are back $14 million in guaranteed prizes are up for grabs. Uh, look, Circa millions, five NFL picks ATS each week against the spread. Circa survivors just pick a different money line winner each and every week. Can't pick the same team twice. That's how survivor works. Um, and uh, look, you can enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. Sports gambling podcast crew will be out there the last weekend in August. So if you're out there, hit us up. I, I was just staying at Circa Stadium Swim, all that shit. Fantastic. Uh, that's where Mountain West Media Day was at. 
Uh, Derek Stevens always does such a great job. That's one of the coolest hotels in the world. If not, you know, if not the coolest, I'll go there with that sports book being that big. Uh, sports, uh, circusports.com for all the other details. Once again, circusports.com. What would you do with $14 million? Circusports.com. Check it all out. All right, we are back on the FCS college football experience, NEC conference preview. And uh, let's just get into it. We got eight teams to break down, and I am very curious. We have not talked pre episode, we have not said, hey, do you have this team fifth or this team seventh? No. So we do not know our pecking order for what we are projecting in 2023 NEC football, but the eighth ranked team to me, there's only eight teams folks. So the worst team in the NEC, in my opinion this year, and mainly I'm going to base half of this opinion on the, off the fact that they were the hardest team to find any information on. And uh, I am going to go with the blue devils of central Connecticut state. I know that is a bold play (laughs) because Wagner who lost eight games by 20 points or more a season ago. Uh, and, and their head coach, Tom Masella is one and 23. <laughs> I repeat, he is one and 23 at Wagner, but I actually think central Connecticut state is the worst team. You know, well, they're breaking in a brand new head coach, right? The Ryan McCarthy era is over and they went with former Justin Fuente assistant at, uh, at TCU Memphis and Virginia tech, Adam Lechenberg. Uh, curious. Who'd you have at number eight? Uh, yeah. So the, the, the bottom two are pretty obvious. They're, they're Wagner and central Connecticut state. I did go with Wagner at eight, just, uh, mm. I mean, C- central Connecticut state has a little more, a little more history, a little more, uh, thoroughbred to them <laughs> than the Wagner, <laughs> the Seahawks. real blue devils. Uh, <laughs> and then you got Wagner, the vacuum company. Uh, all right, well, let me explain why I have central, like central Connecticut state. I had a really hard time getting info and I'm curious if you were able to find a, a, uh, there were the one team that I really, you know, they should be, are they a part of the witness protection program? Because I've been (laughs) fucking trying, like, I'm like, okay, who do they got at quarterback? I see Romello Williams and Sean Mitchell. I, I, here's the hard part. You go to a team page and if they don't have it updated for 2023, which central Connecticut state does not. Um, you look at 2022 and it says senior. Well, that means nothing in 2023 college football because you have the COVID eligibility. You also have the extra year granted from the NCAA rule. So that you could be a senior for three years these days. So I, it's very confusing. So I put Romello Williams, Sean Mitchell, who's back, who gets to start. This is a brand new offensive system, right? This is a brand new offensive system. Uh, I will say that uh, they, they lost their star running back this year. Smith. He's gone. Uh, maybe they have Eric Surratt back <laughs> their top wide out. Um, and then they did bring in, I, this, this is one thing that is very encouraging. If you're a blue devil fan of, they brought in Oregon state safety, Jonathan Riley. Look, Jonathan, uh, Oregon state had like a top 25 defense a year ago. So I don't care if he's far on that depth chart. This is a power five safety you're bringing in. And I can tell you that is impressive, but this team's a mystery team to me. And the fact that they're in year one with a coach that really doesn't have any ties to the Northeast that I was really confused a little bit about the hire. I'm even curious how it came into fruition. Um, 
that's my concern about Central Connecticut State. Did you get any more intel than myself? <laughs> so uh, I, I went ahead. I, do- I dove a little more into the Twitters again, <laughs> and uh, I got. I, I, I've, as far as I could tell, Sean Mitchell is gone. So that means there is no quarterback on this roster that has thrown a pass in a college football uh, game. I, they're definitely finishing eighth. I feel good. I feel so good what, about this. What I saw is you're looking at either a transfer and I, I don't even know where from sophomore transfer, Matt Jenner or junior CJ Duvall. So as you mentioned, Nasir Smith, who actually did rush for 1200 yards, he declared for the NFL draft. So he's gone. Malik Thomas, however, did have 221 yards, 5.3 yards per carry last year. At least that's there. Surratt, gone, top two wide receivers, both out. Isaiah, not Juice Williams from Illinois back in the day. Uh, that is going to be their top wide love, receiver. Love the reference. Uh, I love those. <laughs> Juice and Menahal, baby. Love those teams. Um, yeah, so that's uh, Isaiah Williams, 212 and a touchdown. Nodge Johnson, a tight end, 151 yards, 10 receptions. Uh, those are the top two targets. And I got on defense, not a single guy with over 30 <laughs> tackles coming back <laughs> to this team. I went deep uh, too. I was clicking on them and I was like, I got no idea if they're coming back. That says they're seniors really? last year. Right. But I got nothing on, on this year. Well, I, you know, I, I, we almost I'm, need I'm a- calling, I'm calling moms. <laughs> I'm like, Hey, is your son going to play this year? Yeah. Is he suiting up for the blue devils? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you are not late on your, on your, on your mortgage payment. I am calling to see where your son is located right now. Um, well, here's my logic as for why I think Wagner is going to be better. And first off, we'll look at the Central Connecticut State schedule in a second. But Wagner did have eight losses by 20 points or more. That's terrible. They were arguably the worst team in all of the FCS a year ago. And somehow this guy still has a job. What does he have? Is this guy, what, the president of Wagner went to Epstein Island and, and uh, Macella saw him uh, get on the plane or something? I don't understand. He's one in 23. <laughs> look. I mean, I understand a long leash. I really do. But fuck one and 23 as a head coach, not uh, just that he's been a head coach for 13 years in college football. He's only had three winning seasons. <laughs> he's got some inside Iggy on somebody. I don't know, but I can tell you, this is what was, was encouraging to me and why I don't think he'll be one and uh, what one and 34. I think he's got some wins here and uh, they do lose their, their quarterback, Nick Kargman. Uh, but so they have Damian Mazel back who threw for 138 yards a season ago and Tommy Brown, who never threw a pass, but they brought in a super senior who play, who started at Yukon and got some burn at Georgia state and Steven Krajewski. Kudrowski, Kudrowski. I remember watching him at, at Yukon. So you're telling me I can get that type of experience that's a home run get in the NEC in the transfer portal. In my opinion, getting a guy who started at, at, you know, D one level, but with multiple programs, got some burn. And then their top rusher from a year ago, Ricky, uh, how do I pronounce this? Spruill Spruill. Yeah, sure. he's back. Uh, now he didn't run very successfully. Only 335 yards a season ago, but it doesn't matter. He was young and he's back. Uh, they did lose their top wideout Naheem Simmons to USF by you, but I, I, and they actually lost a couple of their top wideouts. So very unproven at the wideout spot, but, but Kobe Ray Reed is one that I watch also uh, 
Mark Didio and Travis Shorter could be some emerging wideouts with the vacuum company. And then they returned uh, uh, the the cornerback Christian Davis is back three picks a year ago. I just think the returning production, the familiarity with the program, and the fact you're bringing in a quarterback that has played a lot of football is a win for Wagner as far as them not being the worst team in the NEC. I'm curious your take. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm just straight up disrespecting the Wagner Seahawks. I'm not going to lie. I, I six time NEC champions, uh, central Connecticut state. I'm giving them a little more love. All the same things you talked about. I saw uh, there is a wide receiver. I thought might be interesting. There's a freshman wide receiver on the Seahawks team, six foot five, Christian Valeriano, Valeriano, something like that, but six foot five, <laughs> big body. Maybe uh, I can catch a touchdown pass or two from the uh, two inexperienced quarterbacks. Who knows? Um, Christian Davis, I thought was a notable guy coming back. Also, there's a defensive back, Brandon Coleman. Uh, he's a former three-star. He got offers from FIU, UCF, and uh, he transferred from Colorado state in the end. So um, I, I, these two teams are very similar when you're really looking at them. It's just the culture of Wagner. Um, Central Connecticut made the playoffs in 2019. Okay. First round exit, but they made the playoffs in 2019. So they've had a little taste of victory, a little more recent than the Seahawks who just haven't figured it out. And and head coach Tom Masala, Masala, I I don't know if he is a guy to build a winning culture. And and that's my true problem with this team. Well, (laughs) let's take a look. Uh, I can tell you one thing that is encouraging is last year they played two power fives. They the two power fives in the FBS. That's not fun. All right. Now this year they still have Rutgers on the schedule yet again, but they don't have. I mean they don't have another power five. They have Navy and Navy's second game ever. Now they're probably going to lose to Navy, but when you add in the NCAA rule changes, it becomes slightly more winnable than it was a year ago. So uh, you're still playing two FBSs. You're collecting that paycheck. You're probably going to lose both those games. Um, but let's look at this, this Wagner schedule week one, they open up at Fordham coffee field. The advantage here is that Fordham played a week zero game. So I do think Fordham will fuck them up despite the fact that they lost Tim Demora and then, and all those wideouts. Um, yeah, that's a huge advantage. I think then they get Navy after. So Navy plays week zero in Dublin, Ireland uh, against, against Notre Dame. And then, you know, they they have a bye week week one and then they are hosting Wagner so look they're not going to win it but I'm saying like maybe the new rule changes make that more more interesting than it would be then a big one as they head to the uh, to Fairfield Connecticut to take on the Pioneers of Sacred Heart uh, then they're home to Merrimack and then they're at Rutgers. I'm going to be honest with you. I got them a win five at the bye week. What do you have them at? <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, and five as well. Uh, not much of a chance I see for them to beat any of those teams. Now out of the bye week, they're at St. Francis, which I actually think could be winnable. <laughs> could, they're going to be dogs. So oh and six, and then this is the win, baby. Saturday, October twenty first. Wagner College Stadium in Staten Island, New York, baby. They're going to take down the Blue Devils of Central Connecticut State and get that dub. In the very next week, they host Stonehill at Wagner Stadium, and I think that is winnable. This stretch is huge because they don't hit the road 
now. And then, and then at November 4th, they're hosting Duquesne. So like, even though I do think Duquesne and Stonehill are better teams, the fact they get three straight home games, I think it's capable of grab their cable grabbing their second win of the season. Then on November 11th, they're at long Island in uh, Brookville, New York, but this, they beat long Island last year, which is still mind boggling a little bit. Um, and then they end the season against the post Eagles. Yes, that is a win. I see three wins potentially on this schedule, which is why I don't have them at eighth. I have them at seventh. What do you think that final record is for the Wagner Seahawks? So, so I, uh, I had them one and 10 uh, with the win over post. I mean, you know, I, I do like that they get central Connecticut state at home, but here's the thing is, is central Connecticut state. They, I, I know they had that, that huge two and nine record last year, but they beat this team 34 to seven. That's true. So, but, so but it makes it hard for how me. How many players are still on that team? <laughs> I, the transfer portal, when you bring in a brand new head coach, I mean, I feel like that means normally your team is just jumping around like your fucking house of pain over here. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I understand your point, but let, let, let's, let's, let's take a look at central Connecticut state because they opened the season against AIC, the yellow jackets, bring your insurance card. And uh, then, so I do think there's a strong, strong chance. They're one and oh, we're, we're out the gate. <laughs> yeah. Then they host the Skyhawks of Stonehill, which once again, you get them at home. I do think Stonehill's a 39 <laughs> to 14 last year. They won, <laughs> but that coach is gone. That offense is gone. That run, that, that system is gone. Uh, but I see your point winnable. And then this is winnable mm-hmm. week three at Dick stadium in Kent, Ohio against an FBS opponent in Kent state. You can build me a case of them being three and oh, now I, I, I kind of think they're going to be one and two, but you can build me a case. What do you have Matt at the bye week I got them one and two, but I, I think Stonehill and Kent state are, are, are winnable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then they, then they head to, to Providence, Rhode Island to, to take on the Brown bears. Uh, in the Ivy League, I think Brown's better than them. I think Brown beats them. Then they host Delaware State. Interesting. This is winnable. This yeah. is winnable. Delaware State breaking in a new head coach too. Uh, then they head to Rooney Field in Pittsburgh to take on the Dukes. Back to back away game. See, that's another thing for the Wagner game. It's on the second end of the back to back away, man. Uh, it's a great spot for the vacuum company. Uh, that's true. And, you don't just waltz into Wagner College Stadium. Yes. Count that as a victory. That's what I'm Come saying on. right there, man. And then and then they they get Long Island after that. Then at Sacred Heart, at Merrimack. And home to St. Francis. I'll be honest; they might not win a game after the bye week. Circle the Delaware State game. Obviously, circle the Wagner game. But uh, I—they're kind of must-watch for me. I got them at eighth. I think their final record is a win against AIC and a win against Delaware State. I got them winning two games, and I got uh, them in eighth place. So obviously, we differ. I like this contrast that we're having here. And uh, let us know in the chat, NEC fans, if if you're uh, if you're on board with us. Um, okay, so now I'm gonna have you lead the way. I, I want to know 
what Wagner's paying you. What do they got you on the payroll for to have this optimism? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you drinking buddies with Tomasella? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, dude, I want to know. I want to know, you know, a how they got J- J- Krajewski to come in here. This is a guy, dude, honestly, <laughs> realistically history. Uh, if you started that many games at UConn and you've played at Georgia state, how the fuck did Wagner land them? You would think you would think like there's so many other schools that are decent. Like I look at North Dakota state in the FCS who's, you know, obviously they're like in the national championship every year, but cam Miller has been somewhat of a, of a liability for them throwing the ball. Why not go and add some depth or at least give them some competition and add Krajewski into that into that quarterback room, but that's North Dakota state. You can go on and on we can go. We've previewed a bunch of teams already where we've been like, who, well, who they have a quarterback. So I am shocked that he would want to go to Wagner. So I'm buying in, I'm buying into this Seahawk program, even though they're one in 23 <laughs> under Masella, you know, um, I think it was Bill McCartney. Actually, I'll pull that up for you. Let's go. I, I'm going to show my age. Bill McCartney used to be the coach of the Colorado Buffaloes when they uh, had the hail Mary game against Michigan. There's a 30 for 30 on them uh, on ESPN, but uh, coach McCartney. And I know this is a brand new era of college football, but his first three years, he was uh, seven and 25 and one. There was one tie seven, 25 and one. And his third year, he was one in 10. That was the worst of the three seasons. And then it's easy to see a, a tide turn because after that they went to bowl games and then eventually the national championship. So what am I saying about Thomasella? I'm saying he's fucking fantastic and give me, give me them. I want to, I want, I want, I want win totals on, on all these FCS teams. Um, okay. So now I'm going to ask you since I went first on, on eighth and then you, you, uh, Shot back with 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 who you had as as eighth. Who do you have at sixth? Yeah, man, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna take you to Easton, Massachusetts, and uh, I'm gonna go with the Stonehill Skyhawks. You may call them the Chieftains, which they were up until uh, yeah. the mid 2000s there. But yeah, and, and that, that's offensive. I, I'm still confused on how this is offensive. Yeah. Um, I, I don't understand. It's just language, people. You're making a sound out of your vocal cords. All right. Um, yeah. So not impressed with, uh, but yes, I had them. We agree at number six, I have Stonehill as well. Why do you think they, uh, uh, you know, Eli Gardner 31 and 29 in six years there. That's like, I mean, that's a seriously impressive record, but anyway, continue on with why you have them ranked there. Yeah. First of all, I think you uh, might've got my phone kind of hijacked by the government. They've been listening to the talks. I got this Native American page that keeps coming up on my Twitter and I keep seeing their posts. I don't follow them or anything, but they are like the, all of their posts are about bringing back the Redskins. And I'm and like, they should. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I just find that, you know, come on. Like I got knew it with someone yesterday. I grew up a Redskins fan. It's like, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand. I it's, I I just don't understand it. I've met and I've I've actually done stand up at a lot of Native American casinos, and it's one of the first questions I ask. And I never have heard. I've heard white people be outraged, but I've I've honestly never heard Native American. And I just don't like. To me, I don't know. I don't like people say, <laughs> "Well, they should call them the white skins." I'm like, "All right, do it. All right, That's like that, it's just this is just language, folks." Um. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I would love I grew, a team grew, called the White Skins. Uh, 
I grew up about 45 minutes away from Cleveland, Ohio, and when the whole Chief Wahoo and the Indians thing, all that was going down, um, there was a lot of Native Americans in that area because there's, you know, Cuyahoga County, there's a lot of influence. They were all like, uh, you know, we have bigger problems yes. throughout history. That's, that's the number one answer I get. <laughs> that's the number one answer I get. It's like, we don't give a shit about, about football. But anyway, I mean. So yeah, let's talk, let's talk yeah. Stone Hill Skyhawks. So, <laughs> um, my thing, uh, I, I have a big group here of about four, eh, three teams. I, I mean, honestly, the rest of the teams, I think, are really, really, really close. Um, agreed, I got about agreed. three teams here in this mix that I all think are, are, are really close to each other. Um, this one, I thought maybe one step back just from a player standpoint as far as roster talent. But, um, yeah, QB, Asher, Carrera, top 25 candidate for Jerry Rice Award in 2022, 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's back. Running back Jermaine Corbell, 774, nine touchdowns, 6.3 average. He returns. Tom Camella, um, also, he's like a lot of preseason polls have him as one of the better running backs in the conference, and he's their second guy. Yeah, uh, He's back. Scrambling quarterback Matt Arvan- Arvanitis is also back. Uh, he comes in, runs some Wildcats in different packages. Um, wide receiver, they spread the ball a lot, so they keep most of their names. Top, t- couple, top, t- top two wideouts are back as far yeah. as I could tell. Uh, exactly. In Cam- Cameron Alves and uh, Will Diamantanis. So, um, yeah, continue on. Continue on. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. And there was there were six guys over 100 yards last year, so this team spreads the ball around. The names uh, don't necessarily really matter. Defense was a little harder to figure out who's where, what's what. But I will tell you, they had seven different players that recorded interceptions last year, eight that recovered fumbles. This team forces turnovers. So I like this team, actually. I, I think they're making a lot of noise for a team that just came up. And uh, it's just the way it shook out that I had them at this spot, but that really close. Yeah. Second leading tackler on the team, CJ Davis is back. It was hard. That's the one concern to me is I circle the defense and I go, huh, how will you be in mm-hmm. 2023? But. Uh, yeah, no, I had him at the same spot, Eli Gardner, and this is what their second D one season. He's thirty one and twenty nine. He's a proven good coach. Um, but we uh, we both had him at six. Okay, well now I'm going to ask you what you have at fifth because since we agreed, it does not count for me to 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 state my team. So at fifth, who do you have? Uh, well, first, no, no, let's go through Stonehill schedule. Let's go through Stonehill schedule because the Skyhawks, whatever they're calling themselves these days. They open up. This is a really intriguing game. Week one against the Wildcats of New Hampshire in the CAA. That's a loss, I think. But what better time to catch them than week one? Um, then they head to a root field to take on Central Connecticut State, who uh, Mike has winning the national championship. So uh, <laughs> no, uh, you got to love these next two games at Central Connecticut State and at Georgetown. I know they're they're doing the wacky three game road trip because there's a, a third road game there, but I think they can beat Central Connecticut State and Georgetown, and then the Saturday September 23rd matchup is at Fordham Field, Coffee or I'm sorry at Coffee Field against Fordham. That, that's probably going to be a loss because I think Fordham's just on it. Um, then they're home to St. Francis, which I think is winnable. And then they're at Duane Stadium uh, in North Andover, Massachusetts, taking on Merrimack, which I think is a loss. I think they could be three and three, but if I had to like set lines, two and four, based on them being favored, 
at the bye okay. week. How about yourself? Yeah, so I actually do have them going three and three into the bye week. Uh, I have the loss to New Hampshire. I have them beating Central Connecticut State and Georgetown. Um, Fordham, like you said, like that, yeah, Fordham's a whole new team, so who knows? But I have them taking the L there. I do have them pulling the upset over St. Francis with the complete roster overhaul going on there. It was only 17 to 13 last year uh, that St. Francis beat them. So being at home now, maybe they get up for that game. I got them getting the upset. And then at Merrimack, I have them taking the loss, but again, 17 to 10 last year, Merrimack. Yeah. So uh, honestly, every game's fairly winnable other than uh, I think the New Hampshire and Fordham are, are, are probably losses. Look, I was only setting the line. I think the more that I think about it, I think you're probably right that they will be three and three. Um, so, and here's the benefit of uh, this schedule is they have two bye weeks. So they get the bye week here on October 14th. Uh, and remember, they're not eligible. Even if they win, they cannot play in the FCS playoffs because they're they're still there's some stupid NCA thing. You got to wait three years or something. Um, but uh, they get off the bye week. They're home to Sacred Heart, which becomes a little bit more winnable because of that bye week, I think. Uh, then they're at Wagner. You can talk me into four four and four at that point, but in maybe even five and three. Um, then they get another bye week before they head to Rooney Field to take on Duquesne and host Long Island uh, to end the season, which I think all of those are winnable games. I just think uh, probably going to end up. Honestly, I, th- I think I'd probably put them at five and six, four and seven. Wouldn't shock me if they're six and five. Uh, best case scenario, what do you think? Se- seven and four? Best case, yeah, I would I would say so. Yeah, I, I think yeah. they could go seven and four. I got I got them sitting uh, five and five. Uh, they they play the ten game schedule. Oh, the, that's right. They have the student. ten game yeah. schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so so yeah. So wait. So then let me retract my statement. So then I have them at uh, at <laughs> uh, wait. So let me build the best case scenario here. Best case scenario wins against Central Connecticut State, Georgetown, St. Francis, Sacred Heart, Wagner. That's five right there, and then they get. Long Island, actually best case scenario. They win those final two and they get to seven and three. But I think, I think six and four is probably most uh, like they're, they're like for a really good season for them. And what I have them at is, is probably four and six or five and five. Yeah. That sounds that sound fair. That That is fair. I think, I think now after, after relooking at it, I think six games, I feel like is my ceiling. There's one of those teams that I think maybe, maybe I'm a little higher on than you. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I think six, six wins is probably where I see the cap. I got them going five and five. There we go. All right. So who do you have at fifth as the question I was going to ask you before we broke down the sky Chiefs schedule? Um, who do you have at fifth? Uh, I got the Duquesne Dukes actually. Well, dude, we're fucking agreeing too much. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I, it's hard to fade Jerry Schmidt. This is the 19th season at Duquesne, five time NEC, cha- NEC champs, and they've only been in the NEC since 2008. Are we making a big mistake here knowing that, that we have that type of pedigree with the Dukes? And I can tell you this they played two FBS teams a year ago, and they almost knocked off one of them. Um, Talk to me about why you have Duquesne sitting there at number five. Uh, Cause I do too. Yeah, honestly, it was, it was kind of hard to look at this team and see the history. Like you said, 16 conference championships, two playoff appearances in the FCS. Um, really, really hard to look at this team and, and put them as low as I did. But um, 
it's the roster for me. So your returning quarterback, Joe Mishler, uh, 1,866 yards. That's, that's fine. 17 touchdowns. That sounds good. 14 interceptions. I got a problem with that. He's gotta, he's gotta work (laughs) on that. And that what's crazy is he did those numbers with a great run game. And then their running back is now at Liberty. So yeah, uh, he transferred, but, but I, I did see Jam- even there. So they lose, I think their top two backs, but Jamario Clements is, is projected to be one of their running backs. I'm assuming he's going to get the start five yards to carry a year ago, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh football. You gotta, you know, in the city of Pittsburgh, you gotta run the fucking ball. Um, I, that was shocking though. That he had that many interceptions considering they, they, I wonder how many of those came against Florida state, but anyway, they also lost what their top two wideouts. One of them to the, one of them's trying out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The other one is at Georgia tech now. Yes, sir. Um, and so they, I really had to go deep on the, uh, the, the, in the wide receiver room to see, I I'm assuming Joey Isabella and Nick Leopold is, are the top two wideouts, but I, I somewhat talking out of my ass right now. Yeah. Stab in um, the dark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about this though? Did you get a chance to look at the defensive side of the ball for the Dukes? I did. Uh, I mean, you know, I saw that they lost linebacker Todd Hill, which really hurts. Wait, they lost him. I didn't see that information. <laughs> yeah. He transferred to Pitt and he got the Twitters. It's all about the Twitters. <laughs> He's a fucking stud. He had nine <laughs> sacks last year. I yeah. was ready to be like, Whoa. Okay. I was yeah. wondering why he wasn't considered. Cause I did find an article of like, cons- like who they thought could be the defensive player of the year. And I'm like, none of them have Todd Hill. He had to transfer, but then I was Googling <laughs> if he transferred and you're right. You gotta, you gotta type it into the search engine <laughs> on Twitter. I'm telling you, man, you yeah. gotta, you gotta, you know, when you get a phone call from a number that you don't know and you kind of <laughs> Google it and they like, they want you to pay for the service to tell you like, that's what you got to do with these FCS yeah, teams. Yeah. Yeah. You got to hire a private Hill stabbing me gotta, in the back. All right. I might hire, move them to six. Now um, you got to hire Matt Dillon from uh, there's something about Mary to <laughs> dig into these teams. But, yeah. Todd, Todd Hill is gone. Uh, transfers to pit. Big pickup there for the Panthers. Maybe um, pass rush though. You do have D lineman, Kevin Kurzinger, three sacks, AJ Ackerman, two sacks coming back uh, defensive back, CJ Barnes, I always say I don't really love when your top tackler is a defensive back. Uh, you know, safety's fine, but when you're talking corner, that worries me. But he is back, CJ Barnes and Aiden Garns, uh, two interceptions. He returns. So there's some numbers or names, but uh losing Todd Hill, obviously big hit. The only thing I fear here is like you look back, and by the way, I was going through like to give you an idea, folks, I keyed in on Wagner having eight losses by 20 points or more. Well, Central Connecticut State was 0 and 3 in one score game. So maybe you're right that they could have a better year if they just are better in close games, but I also think losing the coach it takes time these you know to to bring in a new system and defense. But uh then we talked Stonehill. Stonehill was was 2 and 3 in one score games a year ago. And then you get to Duquesne they have a 10 point loss at Hawaii, which is probably the farthest fucking road game in American college football this past year. Um, and they had three, one score losses. So I think this team was a lot closer to being decent. Now, like, like we alluded to, they did get kind of rated in the portal. Um, but yeah, I had them at five too. Okay. So uh, let's, let's take a look at the Duke schedule because you know, what's going to help 
not having Florida State and Hawaii as your road games. Look, I, I'm not saying Hawaii was great, but damn, that's a far trip. That's you're going to Florida and Hawaii. Uh, they open up week one at Rooney Field against Edinburgh on NEC front row on that app. The Fighting Scots. It's offensive. Um, <laughs> how dare them? Uh, but but uh, I think they're going to be one and zero. And then I look as much as you you know what I love about this game at Mountaineer Field, week two. I know Duquesne's probably going to get fucking destroyed at West Virginia, but Pittsburgh against Morgantown, it just means something. And the very next week, Pitt plays them. So it's like the West Virginia is going through the Pittsburgh universities in back to back weeks. Fantastic for the sport, in my opinion. Uh, I, I got them losing that, and then they head down to Conway, South Carolina, where I actually think, I think they played there a couple years ago and gave them a game. But um, I, I'm trying to quickly pull that up. But uh, yeah, I think they're going to be one and two. What do you What do you think there? Yeah, I, I got them one and two going into the bye as well. Um, like you said, maybe a little bit of a look ahead spot there for West Virginia, but I, I don't see that one panning out. And uh, Coastal, I'm feeling kind of comfortable with Coastal and Tim Beck. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going with one and two. Yeah. So then uh, they get a bye week, much needed bye week before they head to Beth Page Federal CU Stadium. Terrible fucking name. Uh, to take on the Long Island Shocks. They used to be the Blackbirds, but guess what? Fucking somebody was offended by the Blackbirds. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but uh, now they're the Sharks. I think you could make an, a case that Sharks probably, you know, Sharks do kill people. Um, anyway, uh, that game's very interesting to me. That game is very, very interesting to me. Um, but since it's on the road, I think, I think I favored the Long Island Sharks. Then back to back away. Man. Four out of their first five games are on the road. They go to Newark to take on the Blue Hens of Delaware. Then they come back home to take on Central Connecticut State. That's a win, baby. All right. That's win number two. Maybe number three if they can get Long Island. Then they're home to St. Francis. Battle of Pennsylvania going on there. Winnable. I think I might even. Nah, they're probably going to be short dogs. But then they're at Sacred Heart. Then they're at Wagner. And they're home to Stonehill and then at Mary Mac. I kind of think this team, when I look at this thing, I'm kind of thinking at the end of the day, give me a five wins. That's what I got, bro. Yeah, five got wins. Five. Yes, sir. Um, all right. So look, that's that's is there did you agree on those? So the wins to me are Edinburgh, the fighting Scots. Central Connecticut, Central Connecticut State as two. Uh Wagner three for sure. Um Stonehill four. And then I think they get one other game. Maybe the St. Francis game because it's homecoming. If That's not the one I got. Yeah. If not, then maybe at at Long Island. So uh all right. Well, that is is that. So look, we keep agreeing here. So before we get to number four. I want to tell you that the FCS college football experience, NEC conference preview episode is brought to you by underdog fantasy. Yes. Best ball mania is here and underdog fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog pick them is a great way to get down on your favorite MLB and NFL season player props. There's so, so many ways to win over on underdog and underdogs available in so many different States. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com. Use that promo code S G P 
And for a hundred percent deposit bonus up to a hundred dollars. Once again, that's underdogfantasy.com promo code S G P N. All right. We are back on the NEC conference. People shout out to Dick Gersberger says I'm getting ready to watch the Ottawa red blacks. Maybe they have some NEC players on their team. And believe it or not, I do have a TV here in the studio that is watching the BC uh, CFL game as well as they take on Saskatchewan. Um, but yeah, check out. I mean, I've been on fire. I've been on fire. I was on, you know, I was in, on VEASAN the other night and I've been on their show every week. And uh, I was alerted that I was 11 and 0. Oh no, 10 and 0 at the time. And then I hit the game last night. So 11 and 0. I don't know how I'm about to I'm about to buy some real estate up in fucking Canada. All right, yeah, that's, Spe- not, that's not very down under of you. I, I'm the real <laughs> wildfire. All right, it's not that other one. All right, um, let's uh, let's uh, talk some more though because I'm curious since we haven't argued in a while. I'm curious who you have at number four in the NEC, Mike. What do you what you go with at the fourth ranked team? So this week is a week I've looked forward to every week since I was like a little 10 year old boy, it's shark week. And that's what I'm going with, man. Shark week right now. L I U. I got him coming in at four. Finally, we, we differ. There we go. We differ. And I want to hear this because I don't have them at four and I am kind of sold on that. Did you see the way they ended the season last year, buddy? Let's talk about Long Island for a second. <laughs> I have Long Island ranked number two, just so you know. Ooh. They finished number three a year ago, and they ended the season with four straight wins. You got to remember that was Ron Cooper's first year in Long Island, and they found something. Originally, they were starting Derek Green, aka Trent Green's son, and when he left, I'm sorry, not left. When he got replaced. By Luca Stanzi. So wait, yeah, Stanzani, I think it is Stanzani. Yeah, uh, he was a freshman who impressed. He impressed, man. Twelve hundred yards, thirteen touchdowns, four interceptions for a freshman. He should be featured during Shark Week, all right? Because no, but honestly, so I'm optimistic. I I, I know I want to talk to you about, but bringing back also their top running back from a year ago and their top two wideouts. What their top, by the way, their running backs, Pat Brown, their wide receivers, Michael love and, and uh, da, uh, Davon Wells. And then the tight end position. Don't sleep on the yeah. tight end position. Oh, in Glasgow, 62 catches for 610 yards, five touchdowns. And then here's what really sells me. I, I get it. They lost their, their awesome safety. Victor Nelson Jr. is going to be starting at Boston College, but I'm a big Ed O'Neill fan, and I'm assuming this is his son. When you can play like this, Eric O'Neill, who I did see, was pre uh, the one publication I did say would say preseason uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, Ten sacks a season ago. Four touchdowns, one football game. I raise you one higher. Ten sacks on the season. Um, talk to me though. I mean, did you have any other points? Because I, when I look back at Long Island season, especially with the first year coach, I did see that tide turn. Where, where's my clip? I really did see um, that. It's easy to see a tide turn. I, I, I saw it. 
and I, I saw the way the team was playing down the, the stretch of the season and I'm buying in to the, the sharks. I really am. And uh, I'm curious, curious why you think, you know, why, why are you uh, don't have them a little higher than me? Yeah. So uh, they're, they're, they're non-con for me for one is pretty brutal. Um, I got them all on the road. Yeah, their so. first three weeks of the season, <laughs> not fun, but uh, but that's how you build a culture. You know what I mean? You hit the road. That's where that that's actually where they said that uh, a lot of bands become uh, the closer to one another. They hit the road, <laughs> and they, that's when they start cranking out the hits. But yes, Long Island opens the season at Ohio and Curtis Rourke. These are the breaks. The Ohio play for the MAC championship. Uh, then at Bryant, who I actually think is pretty decent. Um, and then at Baylor and Dave Aranda. So I do have them. zero and three heading into their bye week on September 23rd. How about yourself? Same here. That's, that's one of my major problems with the team, <laughs> but now is where I get excited because I think they can beat Duquesne. I think they can beat sacred heart. I think I was kind of high on Maine before I saw how many players left in the portal and I'm regressing some on Maine. So I think that's a winnable game, even though Maine's been a very good school over the years. I remember when Maine went to Starkville and upset Mississippi state. Um, then Merrimack at home at central Connecticut state at St. Francis home to Wagner. And then at Stonehill. I'll be honest, like after the bye week I think every game is winnable. I'm not, I'm not calling for them to go undefeated there, but I do think they're, it would not shock me. What is that? Eight games after the bye week wouldn't shock me if they're six and two or seven and one in in that eight game stretch. Uh, so I am bullish on the shocks of Long Island as they call them now. Uh, ta- what, what, what do you have them going record wise? Yeah, I, I have them five and six, so I got them right in the mix of things. I got them four and three in conference. So um, you know, I, I think this is a really good team. I think they got a lot coming back. I think. Uh, you're talking this team had 10 conference championships between 2000 and 2018 when they were in D2. Um so I'm six, talking about six D2 playoff appearances in that time. So yeah, this team has a winning pedigree. Uh Ron Cooper, he's been around the block. Eastern Michigan he coached that. Louisville he coached that. He's been around for a long time. They got the names on the roster. Um, it's the non-con for me. That's rough. And, and look, I haven't beaten Maine on the road. Honestly, I have them beating sacred heart who I'm actually pretty high on. I have them beating Duquesne who I think they're pretty neck and neck with. Um, you're right. Outside of the bye week all those games are winnable. I just don't have them winning every one. So uh, I'm pretty high on them. I think they're pretty good. It's just, uh, I had them fall a little short. And remember they lost to Bryant by two last year. So that even that game that we're penciling in is like an auto loss, considering that Baylor and Ohio are sandwiched between them. I wouldn't even shock me if they knocked off the Bulldogs of Bryant. Um, I, I can't wait to watch, and I'm excited for the Blackbirds. They Blackbirds, that's offensive. Did the Beatles have a fucking a single called Blackbird? Yes, All right. they do. The fuck? How do they? What? I don't understand this world. Um. <laughs> Anyway, uh, look, next up we, we go to, uh, so now I will give you who I had as fourth. I had the red flashes of, of St. Francis. I know that they won the conference a year ago. I got some red flags flying around this, this program and mainly because of what departed. Uh, I know, uh, you know, they're two time NEC champ. They're coming off a nine and three season. Um, but Chris, 
how do I pronounce it? Vallejo? I think it is. Um, Valerio. Yeah. Valerio. I think it is Valerio. Yeah. Uh, Cole Doyle is back at the quarterback spot, which is actually pretty substantial. He arguably is the best quarterback in this conference. That's huge. And I did watch them a year ago and I was really impressed with them, especially the Akron game, but it's what they lost because they lost a ton, man. Uh, Have you seen where these guys have landed? Yeah. It shows how good of a program this was a year ago. Uh, and it, it confuses me of to how they got beat that bad in the uh, playoffs because Donnell Brown, who was the defensive player of the year in the conference last year, he is now at Maryland. They also lost linebacker, Sebastian Benjamin to Western Kentucky who won. So, so Maryland, a power five Western Kentucky who won the conference USA. And then you get uh, Makai Jackson, who is a stud wideout. By the way, if you watch this team last year, I like these wideouts. He's now at App State, and I think he's going to start at App State. Uh, wide receiver Elijah Surratt also penciled in to be a starter at JMU. These guys are all studs. Uh, I, I just don't know how you're going to be able to to replace that. Um, uh, I saw that Lavelle Armstead isn't on the roster too, which was he's in, in, in the portal. I mean, dude, why should we be bullish on this team? I, they got Quashan uh, Holmes back, I think 479 yards. And then receiver wise, the, the top guy back, I think is Dawson Snyder at 38 catches for 758 yards. So decent production there, but I, I even side of the ball, I thought was kind of a mess too. I mean, what, what talk to me on why you're higher on St. Francis than myself. So, so St. Francis, I, I have it too, and I, it's not a comfortable two. Um, the thing I don't like about this team is Valeri, Valerial, <laughs> however you want to say that, is in his 13th year with this team. He's 52 and 73. So they did go nine and three last year. Great, but only three winning seasons with St. Francis. This isn't a blue blood that's been knocking it out of the park year after year <laughs> after year. Um, they won the, uh, the Northeast conference. They won it in 2016. They won it in 2022 last year. Also bounced in the first round of the FCS playoffs, both of those years uh, pretty handily. Um, so they lost a lot of names on off or on defense. That's that side of the ball is an absolute nightmare. I, I don't know what that defense is going to look like this year, if I'm being honest. And they, they were good players on defense that they lost too, not just uh, you know, typical FCS, this team graduated. Well, that, well that's the where I worry about it is like in the FCS, I don't know that you have the depth, mm-hmm. you know, a, your lack of scholarships. And then like, when you take those type of hits, I just worry that I think it would, I think losing players like that, you worry more in the FCS than you do in the FBS. I, I agree. What I was kind of just seeing though, is, is, is looking at it. Cole Doyle, you talked about, he comes back almost 2000 yards, 21 touchdowns, three interceptions. Now he did lose his two, two of his bigger uh, wide out is number one. And his number three wide outs from last year uh, you already covered, but Dawson Snyder, six foot four, put up 758 yards, three touchdowns last year. You also have Norval black. He was a formal former, former uh, three-star recruit for Penn state. He transferred in. So maybe a little bit of noise there. You lost the running back Lavelle Armstead. He goes in the portal. Uh, no destination yet. That was Sean Holmes, 479 yards, five touchdowns on eight yards per carry. 
that raises an eyebrow to me. So I'm oh, saying no, that, that certainly me. does raise an eyebrow. <laughs> now the question is, is can he sustain that? You know, obviously I don't think it's, I actually think it's very hard to sustain that. But my, my question mm-hmm. is, is that will they have the bell cow? You know what I mean? Is he going to be able to be that guy that every defense is going to be keying in on? If they're still airing out the ball, I think maybe possibly could. Plus there is still uh, the third running back on the depth chart from last year, Damon Horton, 325 yards, four touchdowns. So a little experience there. Defensive side of the ball, I'm really worried about. Honestly, I have this team at two, and I was kind of like, should I drop them down? I'm not sure. I think they're very close to in this mix of this group of teams that we're talking about right now. I'm not super comfortable with where they're at, but uh, let's look at the schedule, right? Yeah, let's take a look at the schedule because I think uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch each and every game throughout the season. Uh, well, week one, uh, the red flash head to Waldo stadium, Thursday, August 31st. Get look, if you're in the Michigan area, go over there, check out Waldo's bar afterward or before great liquor pitchers um, and uh, Kalamazoo. Look, I'll be honest. Had they been returning those guys? I actually think they would win this game because Western <laughs> Michigan's breaking in a brand new head coach. It's week one. This is still like it wouldn't. Cr- it's when you have a coach that's got and a quarterback that have been there so long, and Western Michigan, who's kind of scr- you know sh- grabbing just a brand brand new slate. I still, it's almost like the Akron game last year, but I uh, I think Western Michigan still wins it. They have a decent fan turnout there, and I think WMU pulls it off. Um, but not a crazy, not a crazy upset. If that happened, who are you taking in this one? Yeah, I, I got Western Michigan, but, um, I, I would watch this one closely. Like you said, they, they gave Akron a hell of a game last year. Yeah. So you, you, you never know. And I had, I had the Akron over last year and I was watching Me that too. game. Like, oh oh God. my God. That was, that was, that was a very scary game. Uh, and they open up the first three weeks on the road. Shout out to the road warrior. It is not Mel Gibson. It is this fucking St. Francis team. Cause they are at Robert Morris, the colonials in township, Pennsylvania, moon township, Pennsylvania, uh, Joe Walton stadium, the former New York jets head coach in, in the 1980s. Shout out to him and rest in peace uh, at Robert Morris. Very winnable game. I almost think they should be favored in this. You look at old Bob Morris a year ago. I mean, okay, uh, they weren't awful, awful. They were awful. Oh, and eleven. But they were actually not as bad as like. It's funny. I was comparing their thing to Wagner's their their resume to Wagner's. I was like, they were actually a lot better than Wagner. Like Wagner won one game, and I'm like, that's that's saying a lot. You got Wagner as world beaters this year. But look, dude, you go back at Robert Morris's like they had a two point loss to Dayton, uh, who was good last year. That you had a five point loss to Delaware State. You know, you you had some of these. They they showed some fight in in a few games. They did get their ass whooped in a lot of games though. Um, Only a 17 point loss at Miami, Ohio at Jagerbomb Stadium, and they were like a uh, a fringe bowl team. I think. I think they made a bowl. I got them one and one, one and one. You same, same. Now they head to Delaware rematch of the FCS playoff matchup from a year ago. It won't be as cold, but once again, they're in Pennsylvania. So I don't know. Delaware whoops their ass. I think uh, one and two, and then they're home to sacred heart. The pioneers. I got sacred heart pulling the upset. I got them one and three. 
And then they're at Stonehill. They might get this one. Did I call? I think I called for Stonehill to win this one though. No, I didn't. That was the other one. I think that I think that was the Duquesne one. So they beat Stonehill. So I got them going in into the bye, sitting there at two and three, poss- possibly three and two. What what do you got them at? I got them the same thing. I got them two and three as well going into the bye. All right, now they're home to Wagner. Win. Three and three. At Duquesne, which I have as a loss. Three and four. Home to Merrimack, which I have as a loss. Three and five. Home to Long Island, three and six. Wait, are I missing another game here? They only play ten. Yeah, they only played ten. I had to look at that like four times. And then at <laughs> at Central Connecticut State, I'll give them that win. So I got them at four and six. Schedule a game, guys. What the fuck are you guys doing? Uh, curious. What what's your final record for the for the Red Flashes? So I got, I got them on the flip side of that. I got them on six and four and here's why um, we're, we're pretty much, you know, similar going into the bye week and then coming out of it, I got them beating Wagner. Uh, here's my thing is, is what was really hard. It's almost like when you're talking uh Colorado this year, it's like, how do you project this team that lost everybody, but they still got some names. Let's look at Duquesne, Merrimack, LIU. Those are three games that they won last year. Now I know we have an entirely different team, However, there's still a lot of teams from the offense. They put up 51 on Duquesne last year, 52 on Merrimack last year, 57 on LIU. That's where I ran into the trouble here. So um, I got them losing at Duquesne, beating Merrimack, beating LIU at home. Really tough to kind of really sort it out. But that was like the main buzzsaw I ran into is like, how do you project them to lose those teams when a lot of the offensive pieces are still there and they put up 50 plus on all of them? Yeah. Yeah. Fair, fair. Uh, and they have the two bye weeks. There's only 10 games. What the fuck's going on here? Uh, and then uh, look, okay. So I'm curious then. Cause at number three, I think we have the same, do we have the same team? Then I have sacred heart at number three. Ooh, no, we're going to have a little bit of parody, buddy. I got Mary Mack. At oh, three. beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I will say I had a really hard time with the top three. I actually think there's a little bit of a gap between, and I know that's crazy because St. Francis won this thing last year, but uh, so the reason why I, I have sacred heart, which by the way, Mike, uh, what is it? No, no free that guy. He can fucking coach entering mm-hmm. year 13, 67 and 53, three FCS playoff berths. Question is, is the quarterback spot? Is it going to be Rob McCoy? Super senior. I saw him back on the roster. Or Cade Pribula, Pribula, something like that. Uh, so a little bit of a question mark there. Even McCoy didn't get a ton of ton of burn, but they do have a stud running back and the best running back in this conference in Malik Grant. Uh, I'm shocked that. Uh, I, I mean, I, I thought there was a chance he would leave. I'm glad he stayed. Um, but still that guy's a fucking stud, but look, they lose their top wide out to Western Michigan. Who's on the fucking schedule. Might I add? Uh, yes. Kenneth Womack is now at Western Michigan. LJ Haskett is a wide receiver that could have a big year. 28 for 355 a year ago. He's going to step up. I think be the number one, a wide out. And then uh, to me, uh, the defense alignment, Carson Primrose Primrose, that guy's a stud four sacks a year ago. What do you make? Uh, like, Talk to me why you have Sacred Heart number one. 
Yeah, so um, you already covered it. Nofri, he's a winning coach. This team's a winning program. Uh, they joined the FCS in 1999. They have six conference championships since 2001, most recently 2021, coming out of the COVID year. Uh, four FCS playoff appearances, all first-round exits, but still, you're getting there. So um, Nofri, in particular, five conference championships since 2012 while being head coach. You lose McCray, you got Rob McCoy, like you said, super senior, experienced, knows the game. He's a dual threat guy. Why do I love this team? Because you have a dual threat quarterback. You have a great running back. The receivers are there. I'm not really worried about them being there or not, because I think this team's going to run the ball a lot. And then you bring back uh, your top four tacklers. Number one and number two are both linebackers, DeAndre Bird. And Ernest Howard, who had 43 tackles and an interception. Uh, defensive backs, Marcus Mason, third in tackles, two interceptions. You covered Primrose with the fourth, four sacks, fourth in tackles. Arsheen Giles, two interceptions, six passes deflected last year. All those names are back. This defense is nasty. I love when a football team can run the ball and play good defense. That's what Sacred Heart can do. Add that into the pedigree of them in this conference, and I think you have the recipe for a little bit of a surprise. Fair, fair, and I will say the non-con not as bad as some of these other schools, but uh, especially where they get their non-con, it's almost like a bowl game for them. Um, week one, they get Lafayette, the Leopards. That should be a win, and then week two, they head to DC to take on to Cooper Field to take on uh, Georgetown, the Hoyas. Uh, and then they get Wagner. So I fully expect this team to be three and oh. Out the gate rolling. Out the gate before they go to DeGoy, DeGoal Field, whatever it is, uh, in Loretta, Pennsylvania, uh, to take on St. Francis, um, which I called for Sacred Heart. So I got a four and oh. And then the thunderstorm comes. Merrimack beats them four and one. At Long Island, four and two. At Yale, four and three. Yale's good. At Stonehill, man, three road games all in October here, back to back to back. I'll give them the Stonehill one. Then they get Duquesne. That's a win. Then Central Connecticut State. That's a win. They get a bye week. And then Jim Mora Jr., friend of the program, been on the show, is uh is gonna beat them. So I have them uh, sitting there at what one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven, and three to end the season here. Or seven and four. Go. Seven and four is it? My losses are UConn, Yale, Long Island, and Merrimack. So I got them coming out the gate of the three and zero. Oh. I think they drop one of two, either St. Francis or Merrimack. I think both of them are winnable games for this team. I'm going to say they split it. The road trip is where I'm worried. You got the three games on the road. You got LIU who did beat them last year. You got Yale who I did chalk up as a loss. And then you have Stonehill. I think the experience of this team, the defense, both LIU and Stonehill, especially Stonehill, little gimmicky sometimes. So um, if you're I, a Stonehill you, fan though, you got to love that spot being the third end of the back to back. Definitely. Especially yeah. after, I, I mean, but what, you know, we're, we're, we're counting this Yale game as a loss automatically. And, and I, I have it as a loss too. Ah, things could be a little different there in Yale with a little bit of new faces going on in the coaching staff. I don't know. So um, interesting. 
And then at the end, you know, I, you got two games, Duquesne, Central Connecticut State. I think those are both wins. I think they're better than both those teams flat out. UConn loss as well. So I got eight and three, six and one in conference. Wow. Wow. I like the contrast. Now let me build a case for why I think the Merrimack Warriors are going to be making, you know, they're finally eligible to make the FCS playoffs. And I think the Warriors coming out to play. Uh, is going to happen because man, Dan Curran's doing a great job there. Ninth season at Merrimack, they they weren't eligible last year, and Gavin McCusker is back. Ten touchdowns, three interceptions. I look for improvement there. They did lose their star freshman running back, which was still shocking to me. This dude had a, a B season for them, Victor Dawson, and then he bounces in the portal. But guess what? T- Tavon uh, Edmonds or Tavon Evans uh, or Tavon Evans, I think it is, is uh, he's back with after 586 yards and five touchdowns. So I, I don't expect a ton of drop off at the running back position. Uh, then um, they did lose, they did lose uh, Jakari Carter to Georgia State, their best wideout. But Hayden Fisher and Jelani Mason are back at the second and third wideouts from a season ago. And then the defensive side of the ball, I am bullish on the defensive side of the ball, especially the defensive line. They put an NFL lineman into the pros the Steelers right now, but they got Gary Roseman coming back. Uh, this guy had four interceptions a year ago. And then let me key in on that defensive line again. Brandon Roberts, three and a half sacks back. Nicholas Lennon, three and a half sacks back. Jordan Riggs, two and a half sacks back. I expect this defensive line to be the best in the NEC. And that is why I have the Merrimack Warriors getting it done and going to the FCS playoffs. Talk to me about Merrimack. You know, uh, this team, they're they're stacked on defense. It's pretty crazy. I, I think Sacred Heart. That was the defense that I liked the most. But looking at this one, I mean, you have a lot coming back in the front seven in particular. Defensive line is deep, too. There's a lot of guys with burn, a lot of guys that got some sacks, a deep defensive line, deep linebacker room. Uh, You mentioned Gary Roseman. Also, Shane Butler on the other side of the corner, three interceptions. He's back as well. Offense was the part that I'm a little concerned about. And here is what I'm going to talk about. Gavin McCusker. Not only the number's not stellar, but 47.2 passing completion percentage. <laughs> that's good on NEC football. <laughs> that's, and you're talking about that in the NEC. That is a problem for me. I'm surprised <laughs> with that low of a completion percentage that that man only had three interceptions. Is that something <laughs> else? And then, like you said, you lose Victor Dawson, you lose him to Cincinnati. That's a guy that went, he's playing power five football right now. That's a big name to lose. Uh, and also top wide out Jakari Carter going, he's going up to the FCS or FBS too. Um, so it's interesting. I, I think Merrimack is right there. I think they're right in the hunt. If I were to go back and look at it again, I might even honestly put them above St. Francis. I think I was a little like hesitant to drop St. Francis because of them putting up 50 some points on Merrimack, but really looking back at the roster, I do like this defense. I think I'm still just a little bit higher on sacred heart. Um, McCusker worries me. Forty-seven point two. Don't love it. Fair, fair. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's look at the schedule because, look, in my opinion, FCS on FCS. All right, not FCS against FBS because I, I want to see Northern Iowa, Iowa State. There's a few other ones. Week one, to me, the game I want to see most. Week one is a Thursday night game between Campbell and William and Mary, but also right next to that, if I had to rank them, would be. Holy Cross, 
take our Mary Mac uh, taking on Holy Cross. I'm high on Holy Cross. I think Matthew Saluka and the Crusaders are, are nasty, but this game was not. This was a, f- a final score was a 14 point game, but it was a closer game than people realize. I think a year ago. Now that was in North Andover. Uh, now this one's in in in, in Worcester. <laughs> Worcester sauce. Um, no, I'm joking. This is at Fit and Field uh, in Worcester. How do I do the the Boston accent? Uh, you gotta ask Marky Mark, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I have them zero and one. You? Same. That game's awesome though. It's one of the best that week one awesome matchups. Game. I'm I'm really excited about that game. Yeah. Week two, they host Lehigh. Lehigh's breaking in brand new. Co- that's a this is a win. That's a win. They're one and one. And then they got Virginia Lynchburg, the Dragons, ridiculous name, and two and one. Then they're at Wagner, three and one. Then they're at Sacred Heart. So to me, they have like a three game bye week between Lehigh, Lynchburg, and Wagner. If anything, Lynchburg's probably the best of the three. Uh, so I like that leading up to that road game at Sacred Heart, which is why I have Mary Mac beating Sacred Heart and moving to four and one. And then they get Stonehill at home. I got them five and one at the bye week. How about yourself? Yeah, I got them three and two. I don't like, I, I know Wagner, you know, I, I think they suck. But still, you got a back-to-back road trip, and Sacred Heart's the second end of that back-to-back. And then we're about to talk about another little road trip coming up here out of the bye week. Yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons I'm a little higher on Sacred Heart. But I like where Sacred Heart gets them there on the second leg. But, I mean, you can't ask for some more winnable games. I mean, Holy Cross is tough, but like you said, Lehigh, Virginia, Lynchburg, Wagner, that's a good stretch there to pick up some wins and and their P five that I'm about, or, or, I'm sorry their FBS that I'm about to get to because mm-hmm. after the bye week yes they hit the road for three straight weeks which is a common a common theme in this conference I feel like <laughs> uh, at Long Island winnable but it's going to be a game at St Francis I have them winning that one and then you want to talk about a potential big time upset at UMass all right. At UMass, Don Brown, I get it year two, but look, Mary Mac, uh, Mary Mac is just all right, to me. This is a team that is is capable of keeping it very close in, in that UMass game. Uh, you look back at what UMass did a year ago. This team was terrible. Now I get it; it was Don Brown's first year, so I do expect UMass to be better. But this is a team that uh, you know. Was one and eleven, and even with that, they beat Stony Brook only by seventeen points. They only dropped a, a cool twenty on on, St- on Stony Brook. Um, a lot of concerns about uh, about the Minutemen, so I think that's a winnable game. And then you know after that, Central Connecticut State and Duquesne coming to Duane Stadium in North Andover. I think those are winnable. I think they're probably going to go three and two or four and one. And I think obviously with the win against Sacred Heart, and to me. Long Island, uh, which is the front end after the bye week, that will be enough with the tiebreaker to have them making the FCS playoffs. Sign me up. What's your What's your record prediction here on the Warriors? I got them seven and four and five and two. I don't have them beating UMass. I mean, that's that's Arizona light right there. He brought in pretty much their entire team. <laughs> it is. And, and I'm a Don Brown guy. I'll tell you what, spoiler alert. I, I'm betting the, the UMass over. I know. That's I think I am bold, too. I think I am too. I was it. thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on it. They're my Akron this year. I'm, I'm on, <laughs> I'm on UMass and the over. I, I trust Don Brown too much. He brought in a lot of power five transfers. Again, I'm going, um, 
I don't like that this team, they get Sacred Heart and they get St. Francis both on second legs of back-to-back road trips. I think that makes it really, really tough. And I think LIU, I gave them the win there, but that's a battle. They only beat them by one last year. And uh, this year they got them on the road. So very interesting. I got them seven, four, five, and two. So not bad at all. There we go. Uh, and so you have the Sacred Heart Pioneers in the FCS playoffs. I have the Merrimack Warriors come out and play. Uh, folks, this is the FCS college football experience and uh, subscribe, tell a friend because we're breaking down all these conferences. We're going to go, we're going to, we're going to have a lot of fun this year talking best games, all this good stuff each and every week. Uh, line, you know, locks of the week, all this good stuff. Um, I, I told, I had a lot of fun with this exercise. Cause I really feel like, like we said, there's like six teams that I think are, are in contention for it. I do think that there's a small gap between the top three and the se- the second tier, the other uh, essentially four five and six. Um, but I had a lot, I had a lot of fun with it. Mike, you No, same. This is actually, I was thinking the same thing before we hopped on. I was thinking, man, this, this is probably my favorite conference we've looked at yet. It's just as far as I'm interested to see what happens. I, I don't think there's a ton separating the middle of the pack. And then when you really go to the top at St. Francis and those portal, uh, the transfer portal, it really opens things up. It's anyone's ball game. Yeah. So folks get that NEC app. It's free to download. Look, the, I don't, I don't work for the NEC. I'm just telling you, fuck, you can watch the games whenever let's go uh, subscribe to the FCS college football experience. Just go to sg.pn slash FCS. And we are there. Subscribe. Also, we are on YouTube. You can watch these episodes on YouTube at uh, you know, uh, youtube.com slash the college experience and make sure you give Mike a follow here. Mike Rose at GCG underscore wins on Twitter. Uh, and Mike uh, will be here with me all year talking FCS. Uh, we're excited about it. And uh, look, I'm on Twitter at the Colby D. The college, the FCS college football experience is on Twitter at TCE on SGPN. We also are host the college football experience, which is breaking down all 133 FBS teams with a solo podcast for each and every team in the land. We just talk UMass. There's going to be a podcast. It's not out yet because we're not on the letter U, but Akron's already out there. Arizona's out there, all that good stuff. Go listen to those uh, as we continue to do this thing. We also host the college basketball experience, the college baseball experience, and we have a brand new feed, the Big 12 experience. Check that out, which will cover all things Big 12. Uh, we come together as one on YouTube, youtube.com slash the college experience. But you can find this podcast wherever podcasts can be found. Uh, so check out those. And uh, check out the Sports Gambling Podcast and get the SGPN app. It's free to download in the App Store and Google Play Store. And uh, yeah, all right. Uh, we will be back next week talking more FCS football as we get closer. We inch closer and closer to the season. I can't wait, folks. I uh, cannot wait to watch just to me the NEC race and the fact that you can get that NEC app. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, all right, folks. This is the college football experience, FCS style. NEC style. You better start thinking about yours, and we out of here. Run and shoot. We can do it.